So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. Uh, on this beautiful day, this Christmas morning, 2021, the 25th of December, my name is John Keeley, and thank you again for joining myself this morning, but also joining a colleague of mine who's faithfully stays with me and tries to keep me in, in line, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane, and happy Christmas to yourself. Good morning, John, and a happy Christmas to you too. Nalikhanagiyavgalera uh, that sounds good. The same as you, 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 you've done that to me last year too. And I, I, I know you've been, you've been hoping I'd be able to cop that on. But listen, thank you very much, Neil, and happy Christmas to yourself. And of course, we, we, we want to wish everyone uh, such a, a joyful, peaceful, 
uh, hope-filled day and season that we have on this Christmas morning. And with that in mind, we said we'd play that beautiful piece of music by Alec Jones entitled, O Come All Ye Faithful. So we mean that. I hope you'll all join us and join each other to enjoy, to bring the joy and the peace and the love and the hope of this season. As I said, my name is John Keeley and Shane Ambrose is with myself and we want to welcome those people, especially who are housebound and lonely and struggling in some way today. Our listeners from all over the world who support us in prayer each week and we thank those who listen to us locally around Limerick City, Newcastle West, County Limerick, various parts of Ireland, various parts of the world. I know we've had uh, people touch us from Australia, from India, from Europe, wherever it is. Thank you indeed for joining us. Thank you for your prayers. Our usual programme includes interviews and faith topics. We won't do that this morning, but what we will do this morning, and we'll address that now just in a few seconds, is we will introduce various guests that have joined us in more recent days to offer their reflections on Christmas, Christmas Day and Christmas season. Uh, we'll just remind us again, if, if they want to remind other uh, friends of theirs, contacts of theirs, that all of the podcasts here on Come and See Inspirations can be heard on Come and See Inspirations Just Google Come and See Inspirations and you'll find us there. You can also hear us on Spotify, iTunes, and on Facebook. Uh, our page on Facebook is Come and See Inspirations. If you want to contact us, please do so. Come and See Inspirations at gmail.com. That's Come and See Inspirations at gmail.com. Or contact us by email, by text on 087 and it's international listeners, 0035387-6088667. Now, I've been trying all year to try to get Shane to sing us a song, but he still refuses to sing us a song. But uh, what... he's, refusing, he's refusing again this morning, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but what Shane might just do for us, we have a number of guests, uh, John, as, uh, as we said uh, today, and we're so thankful for those. And the first one we have, a special guest. Shane, would you like to introduce our first guest for us, please, in reflection this morning? Yeah, so as you said, John, this morning's podcast is slightly different. It's our Christmas Day podcast. So you and I are hopefully taking a bit of a break from talking and boring the listeners. So we've invited in numerous guests. So the first guest that we have this morning, just to kick things off, is, um, of course, our own local bishop, Bishop Brendan Leahy, Bishop of Limerick. And Bishop Brendan joins us this morning to give us a lovely reflection. And it's a reflection on uh, just the meaning of Christmas. And it's... it's and and. Uh, and our openness to Christmas, I suppose, and very much dwelling on the child in the crib who without words and big signs and speeches is that God that is there for us no matter what. Christmas is a time when we celebrate something really, really amazing, but also very surprising. When we come to the crib, we look at a child who is simply there. That is, all that he does or all that he says is just that. He's just there. He doesn't give us any great speech. He doesn't do anything much. But by being there, this small, powerless, radiant child is actually saying something very deep to us. This child is God himself there for us. And without words, he's making a strong statement. I'm here for you, for everyone. I have come to be with you. I'm here for you. And because of Jesus, we realize it's true. God is not far away. We don't have to be afraid of God. That we can approach God 
And that when we come to God, we find a God with a big heart of mercy saying, don't worry, I'm here for you. Recently, Pope Francis told a story that I liked. He said that last year, a group of young people wanted to put on a musical on the theme of the parable son, the parable of the prodigal son. They did a great job. And in the last part of the musical, the prodigal son is seen going to a friend of his and saying, I can't go on like this. I want to go back home. But I'm afraid my father will close the door in my face and throw me out. I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. And the friend says, but your father's a good man. Yes, says the other, but you know, my brother's there and he's a hothead. And then his friend tells him, look, I'll tell you what you can do. Write to your father and tell him that you want to come home, but that you're afraid he won't welcome you. Tell your father that if he wants to welcome you, he should put a white handkerchief on the highest window of the house. And in that way, your father will be able to tell you whether you're welcome or not. What happens next in the musical is that we see the prodigal son on his way back home to the father's house. And when he turns the corner near his home, he sees his father's house and it's full of white handkerchiefs. Full, full. Pope Francis comments, this is what God is like for us. This is God for us. He never tires of forgiving. And when the son begins to speak, Father, I did. The son says, hush, and covers his mouth. Yes, the father is delighted to see him come back home. And maybe that ex explains why we so much like to look at the child Jesus in the crib. He's not saying anything. He's not making any demands on us. He seems just delighted we're there. And it's as if he is saying to us, it's great that you exist. I am here for you. God is here for you. Come home this Christmas to God. Good people all this Christmas time Consider well and bear in mind What our good God for us has done In sending his beloved Son With Mary In Bethlehem upon that morn There was a blessed Messiah born 
night before the happy time, the noble virgin and her guide were a long time seeking up and down to find a lodging in the town. But As long foretold, the refuge was but an humble Near Bethlehem did shepherds keep their flocks of lambs and feeding sheep, to whom God's Put the shepherds in great fear. Prepare and go, the angel said to Bethlehem, be not afraid, for there you'll find this happy moon, a princely bed. Thankful hearts and joyful mind, the shepherds went the babe to find. And as God's angels had foretold, they did our Savior Christ behold. Within us. Attending on the Lord of life Who came on earth to end all strife In faith and hope whatever befall We'll wait in peace his holy So we thank the Bishop for joining us there to offer us that beautiful reflection. And again, indeed, we want to thank the Bishop and all our guests who have joined us today and offered their time. Every time we ask somebody to to join us, there was no problem. They said, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll join us. It was just a matter of filling in time. Our next guest is one of those guys who has been very busy in the diocese. We're so lucky to have him. Father Chris O'Donnell, well known to... Our listeners and parishioners around Limerick, uh, Limerick City, Limerick County. Father Christ is currently based in Kilmallock, was for many years, as people would have known, um, very much involved with youth ministry. These days is more or less, more or less touching base, could I say, with a little bit of evangelisation in various forms around the diocese. He's a man, as I said, who's very busy. He organised four beautiful talks there in Advent. 
uh, about two weeks ago. Yeah, so it was Je- uh, Dr. Jesse Rogers, who's the president of uh, uh, the, the seminary at Maynooth. You had Dr., uh, Sister Betty Baker and Sister Helen Calhan and then Sharon Colopy. And all of them kind of t- uh, prayerful moments kind of in preparation for Christmas. And for anyone that wants to listen back to it, the videos of those calls are available on the Diocese of Limerick Facebook page. Thanks for that, Shane. Uh, but but when Father Chris actually joined us anyway there just a few days ago, um, his message was that a message of hope, really. He said, we're very strong on faith and love and need to keep hope alive because hope keeps both faith and love in, in our lives. His piece of music that he, that he, uh, he shared with us this morning is from a well-known Nashville star, uh, Miss Dolly Parton. And his piece of music was The Circle of Love. As he said himself, it's a piece of music, he says, that captures the real message of Christmas. So with that, let's listen to Father Chris O'Donnell. So what I'll do, John, is I'll share with you a story, if that's all right, because I suppose in thinking about Christmas, in as much as we can get to think about it sometimes with the busyness of things, you know, it's sort of, I always lament, it sort of sneaks up on us. And uh, before we know it, we can be at Christmas Day feeling we weren't even ready for the great wonder we're about to experience. But anyway, here's a story. It's about four candles that were burning slowly. And it was a lovely scene in a circular circle of candles. And you could the candles could speak. And the first candle said, look, I'm the candle of peace. But these days, nobody wants to keep me lit. There isn't peace. There isn't peace in our hearts. We had we don't have peace of mind. We don't have peace in our home sometimes. Sadly, we don't have peace in our world. Peace isn't popular. So then the peace candle flame slowly diminished and went out completely. Then the next candle spoke and the second candle said, I am the candle of faith. But these days I'm no longer wanted. People are self-sufficient. They have all that they need. They don't need faith. They want facts. And they miss out on this sense that there's something bigger than themselves. So again, I'm not really needed. And so the faith's flame slowly diminished and went out. Then the third candle spoke. I am the candle of love and I just don't have the strength to stay lit any longer. People put me aside. They don't understand my importance. They even forget to love those who are nearest to them. They take love for granted. They give it away without thinking. They abuse it. They hurt it. They and sometimes hurt the people they love the most. And so I don't think people need me or miss me anymore. And with that, the candle of love went out completely. And in the story, a child entered the room and saw now that the three candles were no longer burning. And the child was distressed and began to cry out, saying, why aren't you burning? You're supposed to stay lit till the end of time. We need faith. We need peace. We need love. Don't go out. And then in the midst of the silence and the tears, a fourth candle's voice spoke gently. And the candle spoke to the little child and said, don't be afraid. I know it looks like faith hope and peace have left but don't be afraid because you know i am the candle of hope 
And while I still burn, anything is possible. While the candle of hope is still lit, we can achieve a lot more than we thought. While the candle of hope is still lit, we will find the strength or the light that we need. And with this candle of hope, you can relight the other candles. The child, comforted by the promise of hope, took the candle of hope and with it lit the other three candles. And so the candle of hope relit the candle of peace, relit the candle of faith and relit the candle of love and proved to the child in the story that once the candle of hope still burns, all will be well. And I suppose I like that story because for me, Christmas is the most hopeful time of the year. When we forget that hope, it's a Christian virtue. Like we're, we're strong on faith, we're strong on love, but there's three Christian virtues, faith, hope and love, and the greatest of these is love. But we forget about hope as a Christian virtue. And we're called to be people of hope because without hope, we couldn't go on. And, and what is hope? Now, some would argue that hope is, is just wishful thinking or a sort of misguided optimism. Well, that would be true if hope ignored the suffering or the difficulties or the challenges around us. But when life is at its worst, hope is actually the fuel that keeps us going. It sees the present with all its difficulties and pain and challenges, but it gives us something to hold on to and to trust in, even when it mightn't seem advisable. Hope can give us strength in times of weakness. It can give us courage in times of difficulty and it can give us light in times of darkness. And while normally we would talk about hoping for something, because we're all hoping for something, maybe people are hoping for something for Christmas or hoping that they're on the good list or whatever it is, but it's not about hoping for. Our faith is, tells us that we should hope in, to hope in something. So our hope is to be grounded in God and in love and in beauty and in truth and in goodness, to be grounded in a God who's closer to us than we are to ourselves, a God who holds us every moment of our lives, both the good and the bad moments, even though we may not feel it. So our faith encourages us not to hope for something, but to hope in something. Hope in God, hope in love, hope in your family, hope in your friends, hope in yourself. And when life seems to take away our hope, as it, as it often might look like, remember that that candle of hope never extinguishes. And maybe we're just being offered an opportunity to find a new hope. You'll hear in life the line used a lot, where there's life, there's hope. And sadly, I've been in many situations where there's a massive truth to that, where there is life, there's hope. But actually, I think more importantly, that phrase should say, where there's hope, there's life. Because sadly, I've been in many a situation where there was life, but there was no hope. But I've never been in a situation where there was hope and not life. So hope is what Christmas is all about. The, that our God would step out of time, take on our human condition, become one of us. And we often kind of, Christmas is a hard, hard time for so many people. I'm always conscious of that. It can be lonely for those who are grieving, for parents or even single parents feeling stretched now more than ever with COVID, not having family around. 
So Christmas is a difficult, difficult time for many. And they might struggle to see the hope and the joy and the love and the light at the heart of Christmas. But actually, when we listen to the story, we have this nostalgic view of this serene birth on a beautiful still night with a beautiful starry night and the cow maybe warming the baby Jesus with his warm breath. And that's all lovely. But actually, think about it. What mother wants to give birth to their child? in the mess of a stable what father wants to be in a position where he's pretty much a refugee within days of the birth of his child what child's kind of first bed what no one would want it to be a, a bed of straw you know so actually christ came into the midst of poverty into the midst of mess into the midst of darkness to show that it's okay. Our God is with us in those moments. And that's what hope is about. The message of Christmas actually is probably for the people who find Christmas hard more so than the people who find it joyful and easy. The message of Christmas is to say, listen, a little child was born out of love for you and he didn't come in to wealth or comfort or ease. He was born in the mess of a stable in a situation that wasn't easy to show us that God is with us. And that's the name that they gave him, Emmanuel, a God who is with us. And that's what our hope is at Christmas, to know that, to have hope in that, hope in that God who knows what it is you're going through, who knows what it is to, to kind of be homeless or to be struggling or to be suffering. So I suppose my prayer and my hope literally is for people that they will, something of the hope and the love and the light and the joy of Christmas will find its way into the hearts of people, particularly those who are struggling. And I might finish with a little verse, a small, it's just a short verse that captures and reminds us to look out for those who find Christmas hard. It says, if Christmas is hard, if you've lost someone dear, just look in your heart and you'll know they're still here. The star in the sky, the light falling snow, the robin outside, it seems like they know. If this is a time when you're struggling through, just do what you can for what matters is you. There's no need to be merry. There's no need to be bright. Just do what you can. It will be all right. And I suppose we just pray that people will do what they can, especially in these difficult times, and not to be hard on themselves, to reach out and draw on the love and strength of others but reach out and draw on the hope that's within them and around them because without that fire of hope and that gift of hope that is the baby jesus um we would all be lost so that's my hope and uh, as a piece of music maybe to capture i i'd love if you could play a uh, dolly parton's piece of music called circle of love now i'd never thought i'd hear myself saying uh, play a Dolly Parton's piece. Uh, I'm not Nashville's greatest, I suppose, advocate, as in I wouldn't be familiar with a lot of uh, Nashville music or things like that. But this uh, song, Circle of Love, captures what Christmas is about. And there's this circle of love drawn around our world, drawn around our families, drawn around our homes. And so we enclose all those who are listening, uh, their lives in that circle of love in that shelter, in that love, in that light, in the warmth and in the hope that is 
the baby Jesus. Circle of love, halo of light. When Jesus was born on that Christmas night, and oh, what a night that holy night was when Bethlehem glowed in a circle. God sent His Son, His great gift to us, salvation for all. He loved us that much. We honor and praise that gift from above. He holds all of us. In a circle of love, circle of love, halo of light. When Jesus was born on that Christmas night, and oh what a night! So that was, um, I think we'll have to say, John, that was an interesting choice of music from Father Chris this morning. <laughs> but a beautiful, faith-filled, really hope-filled reflection. I thought yes, that as, anybody as, could really touch base with. I, li I like this idea about 
that sometimes we sanitize Christmas. You know, we make it so nice and easy for us to live through. And he said, you know, we got to think about the real stuff. Anyway, indeed, was- indeed, indeed. And as you said, it's you know, um, it's always great to have Father Chris on the program on the podcast as well. So. Next up to share with us this morning is Sister Therese Fitzgerald. Now, people might remember Sister Therese was on with us earlier in the year because she, as far as she's a scripture scholar, or she 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 works with scripture, and she was on with us to share to share with us. So, this morning's reflection from Sister Therese is an interesting one because it actually takes its as its one of its starting points is actually one of the first readings from the masses for Christmas Day, which is from the prophet Isaiah. So this is uh, Sister Teresa's reflection for our Christmas today. The awe and wonder of Christmas. A reflection on Isaiah chapter 52, verses 7 to 10, which is the first reading from our Christmas Day Mass. So the reading itself. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of one who brings good news, who heralds peace, brings happiness, proclaims salvation, and tells Zion, your God is king. Listen, your watchmen raise their voices. They shout for joy together, for they see the Lord face to face as he re- as he returns to Zion. Break into shouts of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord is consoling his people, redeeming Jerusalem. The Lord bears his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. This reading from Isaiah offers us a wealth of material on which to reflect over Christmas. In this reading, we're we're told that there's something beautiful about the one who brings good news. Where do you notice beauty in the world around you? What do you consider to be good news? Where do you experience good news? And what good news do you wish to share with others? This reading announces peace, happiness, and salvation. Where do you experience peace in your life? Where do you find happiness? In what small ways can you offer peace and acceptance to yourself and to others? In this reading, Isaiah calls us to listen and to see. When you pause to listen, what do you hear 
Do you see God in the world around you? This reading encourages us to break into shouts of joy together, for the Lord is consoling us. Do you allow yourself to be consoled by God in difficult times? Where do you experience consolation? And where do you offer it and to whom? In response to this reading from Isaiah, we may wish to notice what we choose to focus on in life and allow ourselves to become more choiceful. For example, we might allow ourselves to notice the beauty in the world around us. Beauty and the awe it inspires can remind us of God's presence always with us. Are there moments in your day when you can allow yourself to feel gratitude for God's presence in your life? Are there people in your life for whom you, are, you feel grateful? If you have the opportunity, you may wish to take time to thank these people. If it's not possible to thank them personally, you may wish to take time to thank God for them. At Christmas time, there is an opportunity to see beyond the ordinary, to allow ourselves to be in awe of what we see and experience to notice what we otherwise might pass quickly by, to allow ourselves to be caught off guard, to see into each awe-inspiring moment to the presence of God, which is there. Where do you experience moments of awe? Where do awe-inspired moments take you? Allow yourself to notice God's presence in these moments. You may wish to set an intention over Christmas. One example of an intention is to allow yourself at times to slow down enough to notice potentially awe-inspiring moments. Another might be to allow yourself to become more aware of God's presence in these moments. So we return to our reading from Isaiah chapter 52, and I invite you to listen to it again. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of one who brings good news, who heralds peace, brings happiness, proclaims salvation, and tells Zion, your God is king.
Listen, your watchmen raise their voices. They shout for joy together, for they see the Lord face to face as he returns to Zion. Break into shouts of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord is consoling his people, redeeming Jerusalem. The Lord bears his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And so to finish our reflection, we'll listen to Joy to the World.
We thank you again, uh, Sister Therese. Again, a very busy person for joining us and offering that, that reflection. Because as uh, Sharon reminded us, for the, uh, Sister Therese has been very good to us in the diocese here. A few times this year now she's offered us some reflections on Scripture um, ending there in the Advent time when she spoke to us about the Acts of the Apostles. So again, thanks to Sister Therese for joining us this morning. Another good friend, uh, friend of the of the podcast here, and come and see inspiration is Martina Lehan Sheehan. Martina, of course, many people would have known. She's she's a writer. She's uh, she spent an awful lot of time um, in the centre there in Cork, offering many reflections, uh, days of retreats, and so on and so forth with her husband Pat. The great news is that Pat uh, suffered some illness early on during, during the year. And is on the men now, and hopefully within a few months' time, now with the help of God, will be coming back to join Martina as she continues to give her reflection to us on Zoom from time to time. But in her reflection this morning, uh, Martina invites us to stay with the image of the birth of the divine in our hearts this Christmas. A beautiful expression. The image of the birth of the divine in our hearts this Christmas. Martina talks about the miracle of the moment. That exquisite moment when something new is being born, where the creator of the universe is choosing to be birthed again in history, in the world through us. Where the presence of Jesus is reawakened in the hearts this Christmas. Very much speaking to the heart, very much speaking to our own selves there. And sister um, Martina finishes her reflection by asking us to to listen to her her husband Pat as uh, Pat sings a beautiful piece of music, When Love Was Born. So let's listen to Martina. So when it comes to the Christmas season, it's I think it's very tempting for us to just say, you know, sure, we'll just defrost last year's Christmas, so to speak. We'll take it out of the freezer and reheat it and do it all again. And the same rituals with the tree, with the people coming and so on. Um, and we could do all of that. And the whole beauty of the season would never touch our hearts and our souls. And I suppose that's kind of a temptation to just leave it all outside of us. Another temptation might be to see the whole Christmas story as just historical, to see it as something that happened in history, that the creator of the universe sent his son into into the world and into history. And forget that this is all about birthing in our hearts that God desired to be born, yes, into history and into the world, but into your heart and into my heart. And that's the Bethlehem of Christmas now. What is happening in your heart? What is happening in my heart? So the the whole theme of looking at what is trying to be birthed through us is a kind of a radical way of looking at Christmas. You know, so when we talk about doing preparation and all the gospel readings coming up to Christmas are all about preparation, you know, and we are told that uh, the son of God comes to us in a way that we least expect. And usually at a time we least expect the day or the hour. And when I was growing up, I used to think that was something very fearful. You never know the day or the hour we used to hear. And I used to get frightened of that. But actually, if we looked at it another way, you'll never know the day or the hour when something beautiful, mysterious and wondrous is going to emerge within you and indeed around you. So that's what we're making space for. 
that this birth of the divine in us and around us. So in Luke 3, uh, verse 4, we're told, prepare a way. In Luke 3, 17, we're, we're told about that the threshing floor has to be cleared. So there's something suggests that we have to do a little bit of clearing away, that we are not just passive spectators where Christmas is concerned, but in fact, we're co-creators. We're, in, we're meant to be involved in it. We are, the, it's in the cave of our hearts that Jesus wants to be born again. And when we look at the whole pattern of the birth of Jesus um, and how the good news came, it didn't come to those who were powerful, to those who had all the status and kingdoms of this world. No, it came to those who had lowly hearts. You could even say it came to those who were nobodies in the, in the eyes of the world. It came to those who had an empty space in their hearts. We think of Mary, we think of the shepherds, we think of Elizabeth. And, you know, in Hosea uh, 2, verse 14, there's that lovely line that says, I will lure you to the wilderness and speak to your heart. John the Baptist was in the wilderness when he heard the good news. And maybe it's the wilderness places in you and in me that, in fact, are the birth places, the places that maybe we have rejected, the parts of us that we think, well, God would never have anything to do with me here. They're the very places, perhaps, that God is saying, I want my son to be brought to birth in the wilderness in your heart this Christmas. Wouldn't that be amazing? If we were to experience the birth of joy, of newness, of mystery, of stillness in our hearts. You know, you and I have old kind of patterns, we all have, that create what neuroscience and psychology calls neural pathways, meaning they're well-worn pathways in our, in our minds. And they, they're all thinking habits. For example, one of them might be, sure, nothing good happens to me. Another might be, sure, Christmas is only for children. Another one might be, sure, I'm too old to enjoy Christmas. And sure, it is all commercial nowadays. And when we say those things, even though they're understandable, they shut down possibility. They kind of put a ceiling on um, the surprise, the God of surprise. So there's a bit of letting go that you and I have to do. Letting go of some of those old neural pathways that maybe we created in times of disappointment, in times of hurt, in times of, of displacement or so on. And we kind of shut down a little bit. So we have to maybe open the heart again and lean into that love that wants to disentangle those old disappointments so that the heart is softened and opened. And above all, that it's opened and softened to joy, to the possibility of joy. 
not the type of joy that's a denial of pain, but a kind, a kind of joy that we can coax and cultivate and nurture in our lives. Pope Francis talks a lot about this joy. He kind of sees it as really the fruits of what it is to be a Christian. And there are, there's a quote from Pope Francis that I'd love to quote here because I kind of enjoy it. And he says, one of the more serious temptations which stifles boldness and zeal is a defeatism which turns us into quarrelous and disillusionist pessimists. In other words, sour pusses. <laughs> so Pope Francis warns us about becoming sour pusses. And I don't know about you, but I can certainly be a sourpuss very easily. So joy is a gift, but it has to be coaxed. It has to be nurtured. We have to know what practices will help us bring joy. And these are fairly researched. I've done a fair amount of research on these because I've wanted to get rid of the sourpuss <laughs> in myself. So Cultivating joy is about cultivating our ability to be present in the present moment. It's about cultivating a habit of gratitude. That's a big one. Try it for a day and you'll feel joy spilling over in your heart. Cultivating joy is about practicing optimism savoring the simple, simple little joys that come in the day, savoring them. And I suppose finding the childlike part of ourselves again. It's very interesting that the creator of the universe came into our world in the form of a child. So it would be good to reclaim childlikeness in us again. Playfulness and prayerfulness are very alike. Again, a quote from Pope Francis, he said, God is forever young and a constant source of newness. But, you know, we very easily get hijacked by internal mental chatter. We get hijacked by the critic in us that picks away and criticizes us for everything we do and everything we didn't do. Do you ever find yourself at the end of the day going back over things and saying, if only I'd done this differently and why did I say that and so on? And we get hijacked by those habits. They take us back into the past and we lose our joy. Another habit is we start catastrophizing and fearing the future and we lose our joy. So maybe this Christmas we can practice that gospel habit of welcoming joy, of receiving joy and responding rather than reacting to the many circumstances around us. How might we do that? We could pause in the middle of Christmas busyness and Christmas gatherings or whatever is happening for what is called in the monastic tradition, a statio moment. 
statio moment means to pause, to be still, to notice. We might practice another monastic tradition of stability. And stability means to be content with what is here now, instead of craving what isn't here now. So statio and balance helps us return to the miracle of the moment. The exquisite moment where something new is being born, where the creator of the universe is choosing to be birthed again in history, in the world, through you. Where something of the presence of Jesus is reawakened in your life and in my life this Christmas. So the piece of music that I have chosen to go with this reflection is called When Love Was Born. And it says something about the night when love was born. And maybe when you're listening to it, to just visualize a love being born again in your heart this Christmas. Just as love was born in Bethlehem that night, love being born anew in your heart. So Pat Sheehan, my husband, is singing this song, When Love Was Born. So enjoy it. Starlight shines The night is still Shepherds walking from a hill. I close my eyes and see the night when love was born. A perfect child. Came down from you and me. 
That was a lovely, a lovely reflection from Martina and from herself and Pat, of course. And we send them our best wishes for this particular Christmas as, my, as they've had a, like many people, they've had a tough 2021. And we give Pat, send Pat our best wishes for his recovery uh, at this Christmas time in particular. So um, reflections, we, we, we've gone far afield for reflections over the years i'm here on come and see inspirations john um we've we've been to rome we've gone to uh one or two african countries we've had we've been to Medjugorje. Mm -hmm. i think we've had one or two christmas reflections from the us but today's one is a particular uh first for us as we are traveling to the capital of christmas we are going to the holy land and to the city of bethlehem where it all kicked off, I suppose you could put it. And we're delighted uh, to have a reflection from Brother Justin from Glinstall. Brother Justin is currently uh, domiciled in, in Israel, and he sends us this reflection from Bethlehem, where he had a, a walk around recently and put together these few thoughts for, uh, to share with us about the place uh, where Jesus was born. And uh, I think it's, 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 it's an interesting uh it's an interesting talk an interesting reflective piece for us this morning and of course uh you couldn't have anything a little better uh, much better in terms of music afterwards than O little town of bethlehem at this time of year christians around the world turn their minds to the events of jesus's birth in a small town called bethlehem more than two thousand years ago I'm Brother Justin, a Benedictine monk of Glensall Abbey, living in Jerusalem, and I invite you to travel with me beyond the wall to Bethlehem today. We're crossing Checkpoint 300 between Jerusalem and Bethlehem now, 
It's one of hundreds of checkpoints or roadblocks which have been set up by the Israeli military to control the movement of Palestinians. It recently it had a multi-million dollar upgrade and renovation, but that's really very little consolation to the 15,000 Palestinians who have to cross here every day, queuing from the early hours of the morning, if they're lucky enough to have a permit, in order to get to work or school in Jerusalem. Here on the Bethlehem side, taxis wait to take locals or tourists downtown or to the surrounding towns and villages. The Palestinian territories are at the mercy of Israel's external borders, which have been closed to tourists since March 2020. Despite opening for a few weeks last month, the airport in Tel Aviv is now closed again due to the Omicron variant of the coronavirus. It's a short drive from here to Manger Square, past an enormous concrete wall built by the Israeli government. Here it's eight metres high, it runs for hundreds of kilometres, barely follows recognised borders, and according to the International Court of Justice, it violates international law and should be torn down. I've arrived here in Manger Square now. Most tourists coming here don't see the checkpoint, the wall, and they don't meet local people because they're travelling on tour buses uh, with operators that have all been approved by the Israeli Ministry of Tourism uh, so that they visit pre-approved sites, they go to pre-approved gift shops, restaurants and so on. We're outside the Church of the Nativity, built over the spot where we believe Jesus was born. The Christmas tree is up and the lights were turned on last week, which gives a festive mood to the town. That festive cheer is much needed because, although life here is difficult at the best of times, the pandemic has really had a terrible effect on local people. The people of Bethlehem rely on tourism, and the majority of the residents here work as tour guides, as drivers, in hotels, cafes, restaurants, gift shops, and they've all been out of work for more than 18 months. I'm joined by my friend Osama, a Roman Catholic who was born in Bethlehem. In the square today we can see the Christmas decoration and the Christmas tree. Uh, you know, usually in Manger Square, whether Christmas Eve or when the Christmas celebration started in Bethlehem, uh, like uh, with the ceremony of lighting the Christmas tree, uh, there has been this year many, uh, many uh, uh, local and uh, some international. Uh, due to the pandemic, not many international has been in the country this year for Christmas. But we had almost 15,000 visitors uh, in Bethlehem in the 4th of December. Joy, uh, fun has been there, um, environment has been peaceful and really great. Bethlehem was the first place to celebrate Christmas. So it is the capital of the Christmas. We uh, are going to have it in Christmas Eve where uh, you know, thousands will be uh, participating in the, uh, the traditional brigade that will uh, walk uh, in the old city all the way to the grotto, to the place. Uh, you know, like there will be uh, up to 30 different scouts brigade marching in front of the patriarchs of Jerusalem and a lot of uh, locals and hopefully uh, some internationals will be able to participate uh, this year in the uh, Christmas um, 
day and the Saint Eve. We had also the uh, Christmas Eve uh, and the Midnight Mass uh, at the Saint Catherine Church, where the Palestinian president uh, supposed to attend, and many locals and many dignitaries. Wish you all uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from the capital of the Christmas Bethlehem. Thank you, Osama. We'll head into the church now, which will be the place of celebration for local people and dignitaries who will gather here for the Latin and the Orthodox commemorations of Christmas. Here in the Church of the Nativity, we remember that the Holy Land is the place where the first Christian community sprang up. Uh, Today, this community of Arab-Palestinian Christians numbers about 120,000 people living inside the State of Israel and about 50,000 people living inside the territories of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, less than 2% of the population. Like all Palestinians, whether Christian or Muslim, the majority now live outside historic Palestine with their descendants as either refugees or migrants. It's here, down in the cave where we mark the spot of Jesus' birth, that pilgrims have come for centuries and, outside of a pandemic, still come to remember and be consoled by the wonderful deed which God accomplished here, becoming one with us. Pope Benedict, speaking here in 2009, said, For men and women everywhere, Bethlehem is associated with this joyful message of rebirth, renewal, light and freedom. Yet here in our midst, how far this magnificent promise seems from being realized. How distant seems that kingdom of wide dominion and peace, security, justice and integrity, which the prophet Isaiah heralded, and which we proclaim as definitively established in the coming of Jesus Christ, Messiah and King. Throughout this season, As our minds turn to Bethlehem and the Holy Land, I pray we may not only remember the historical events of 2,000 years ago, but remember, pray for and support the people who live here today, especially the tiny Christian community, so that the birthplace of the Prince of Peace might truly become a land of peace and justice for all. Happy Christmas from Bethlehem. Oh, <laughs> 
Yeah, Shane, I'm sure um, many of our listeners would be reflecting back as we were listening to Brother Brother Justin there of maybe the times that they themselves might have spent some time in Bethlehem and in, in the Holy Land. And, of course, we do remember the people who were suffering so much um, over there at these times, especially because of no tourists and their livelihood and so on and so forth isn't available for them. But we thank God, I suppose, for those people who are out there, those people who are trying their best to keep what little maybe Catholic faith there might be at the moment over there in in the Holy Land. But Shane, thanks a lot indeed for bringing us Brother Justin there, uh, the first, maybe the first of many. Let's see where we go with that. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see where we go. I'm kind of hopeful that Justin will give us a few more reflections and thoughts as we go through the, uh, as we go through 2022. So, listeners, as we advised there last week, uh, we have a number of, uh, we had about 10 or 11 um, uh, reflections from various guests over the last uh, number of weeks. And so we couldn't fit them all into one program. It would have been really gone on too long. So we played the first five of them today. Um, 
the first one, of course, by Sharon Colopy, uh, Christmas Moments, we, is currently up on our blog. Uh, sorry, up, up on our podcast station, come and see inspirations.buzzspread.com. These uh, five that we just listened to will be going up individually, just in case people want to listen back to them. Again, they'll be up within the next few days, and come and see inspirations.buzzspread.com. And tomorrow we will finish off with five more reflections being um, offered to us by our guests. And again, we thank our guests so much because they've been so busy. Uh, and we're so lucky to have uh, such wonderful people to come and share their thoughts with us. But as usual on our programme at this point, we, 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 we always um, make sure that we find time. It's the most important part of our programme, actually, is when we read and reflect on the Word of God, uh, the Gospel for today. And before that, we'll invite Shane, as usual, to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it, and that our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, for the Nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, Christmas Day. We're actually taking the Gospel from the Night Mass, which was the Gospel of Luke. It's chapter 2, verse 1 to 14. Caesar Augustus issued a decree for the census of the whole world to be taken. This census, the first, took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everybody went to his own town to be registered. So, Jesus, so Joseph set out from the town of Nazareth in Galilee and travelled up to Judea, to the town of David called Bethlehem, since he was of David's house and line, in order to be registered together with Mary, his betrothed who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to have her child, and she gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger, because there was no room for them at the inn. In the countryside close by were shepherds who lived in the fields and took it in turns to watch their flocks during the night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. Listen, I bring you news of great joy. A joy to be shared by the whole world. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. And here is a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. And suddenly with the angel there was a great throng of the heavenly host, praising God and singing. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace to men who enjoy his favour. So that's the Gospel for today we've taken, which was the Gospel of Luke from the Night Mass of Christmas Day, chapter 2, verse 1 to 14. Shane, would you like to share a thought with us, please? Sure, John. So just to, just to, just to gently where to start, um, I suppose one of the things to think of and to reflect on when we're looking at the with the the Christmas Gospels, 
is a point that we've made many times on the podcast before, which of course is that um, they're too familiar to us. Like we hear Luke's account, we hear Luke's account of the of the nativity each Christmas, and we've heard it since we were, you know, knee high to a, knee high to a grasshopper. Um, so you know, the risk is, of course, that familiarity breeds contempt. Um, and I suppose it takes away, I suppose, some of the wonder of what it is that we are reflecting on. Now, on our program for the fourth Sunday of Advent, Noreen Lynch joined us and she was reflecting for that particular Sunday. And she made reference to a book, A Journey with the Sunday Gospels in the Year of Luke, The Deep End by Trina Doherty and Jane Mellet. And the two women, the authors of this piece, the two authors have come up with some, again, some lovely thoughts in, to share oh, for, this, for the Gospels uh, for, for, for these particular days. And one of the things that struck me about it, what they said, was that it's this, you know, we, we, we don't hear the amazement of what actually is happening anymore in some respects. That's the risk that we run. Um, you know, the fact that God literally entered into humanity, putting on skin and living among us as a full human person, you know, that's something that we find difficult to express and to understand and i suppose one of the things is you know when we start the gospel particularly this morning it starts around you know it starts off by listing off caesar augustus and 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 the, the, the all the rest of it and it's reminding us that you know jesus was a palestinian jew who was born into a homeless family in an animal shelter in a remote part of the roman empire and from the very beginning was part of the marginalized uh, but he still went on to transform history and continues to transform our lives today. And I suppose that's one of the things that Christmas Day invites us to contemplate and to celebrate. Um, you know, we're asked to rejoice with the angels and the shepherds, you know, to join in that great Christmas hymn, Glory to God, the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill among people. And it's, 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 I suppose it's the challenge that that's there for us. <clears throat> and I suppose looking at Luke's, Luke's account, um, it's very much kind of setting the scene. He was born in a land ruled by the Romans and where the census was being taken. And the census wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't there to help people. It wasn't there to design the social services and figure out how many schools were going to be needed and what health facilities were going to be needed. A census, a Roman census, was a matter of control and extortion. It was to allow for the collection of taxes. And, you know, it's something, it's the, it's the opposites that are being put up for us in terms of, the, in terms of what Luke is presenting. You know, he's, Luke is, is turning the gospel world upside down. Um, you know, in showing angels rejoicing with the shepherds, it's very much twisting it around, you know. The Messiah has been born. The expectation is he would be a powerful family. He would come from, a, you know, he would be known and, and well-known and all people would be supporting him. Instead, we have these people, these the, the men generally, the shepherds, on the margins of society, um, those that would be generally kind of seen as outsiders. Um, and instead, the angel comes to them. And I suppose if the story tells us one thing, it's that God's 
encounters with us come in very strange and unexpected places, very much rather, you know, the god of surprises. And, you know, Trina, Trina, uh, Trina and Jane kind of posed the question, you know, God climb in a field rather than a temple and in a feeding truck rather than a palace. And they asked us the question this morning, can you recall an experience of finding God in unexpected places? You know, if you think about the shepherds this morning and we sanitize it, you know, I'm sorry, but they would have stank. They wouldn't exactly have been washing frequently. They would have smelled of sheep. And anyone that's ever encountered sheep or pigs knows how much they stink. You know, um, they were on the on the verges of society. They were out there. They weren't exactly welcomed into people's homes. But it was to these that were on the margins that the angel came to share, shed the good, share the good news. And the shepherds are very much seen in, in the, the typology of scripture as representing the Israelites. Um, going back to the days when the Israelites were traveling in the desert for 40 years and very much as the ark type of the people of God and the relationship that God was renewing with his people. Whereas the Magi who we'll encounter on the 6th of, 6th of January represent us, the Gentiles, you know, and, and God's encounter with the outside world. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a reminder to us, I suppose, as well, looking at the shepherds um, that we are called to think of those on the margins. You know, um, we're called to reflect on those on the margins and to ask ourselves, well, where, where, where are we in all of that? And it's also, I suppose, you know, when we look at it, you know, she gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them at the end. And the iconography around the Christmas and around the nativity, the swaddling clothes uh, for the nativity sometimes mirror um, the cloths that were used to bind uh, the body in the tomb. And, you know, she lays him in a manger very much, again, it's, it's drawn like a small coffin on, on, the, on the iconography of the Eastern churches. And it just reminds us that the birth of Christ at Christmas uh, is ultimately going to lead to Calvary. You know, the shadow of the cross overhangs the crib at Christmas. And it's it's you know it's it's something it's something that we 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 reflect on and think about, and and listen to as well, and it's that great you know that great message of the angel you know and uh, you know reacting to the 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 encounter with the shepherds where they were terrified they said do not be afraid, I li- I bring you news of great joy a joy to be shared by the whole people. And it's that joy, I think, more than ever, that we need to listen to this Christmas morning and to rediscover. It's that joy that we kind of have to find in our hearts. I think I wouldn't be alone in saying, John, that it's hard to find that joy at the moment. Um, you know, we've had we've had a tough 2020. We've had a tough 2021. And it's hard to pick yourself up and to have the energy to celebrate Christmas. Um, it's hard to have the momentum and the enthusiasm when you're worried about Omicron and you're worried about booster jabs and you're worried about what's going to happen. And it's hard to pick ourselves up off the floor and to find therein that joy that the shepherds 
discovered this morning when they heard and listened to the news of the angel. And I think for us, that is, I think, for me, the message of this particular gospel this week. Like we could have gone on the, the next part of, the, of that particular gospel from Luke goes on to the shepherds going into Bethlehem. And let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened with the child, with the which the Lord has made known to us. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And Mary, she treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. You know, so I think we've we've. We've a lot of things, we've had a lot of time to ponder in our heart over the last 12 months, be that wanted or otherwise. And sometimes, you know, you can overthink, you can overanalyze things too, to a certain extent. And it gets to the stage maybe where action might be called for as well. Um, you know, people, some people have had an awful lot of time on their hands because they've had restrictions and lockdowns and not been able to go anywhere. But then the other side of it is that many people haven't had that time. You know, um, I, I, I can think of a lot of people, particularly people that were working from home and still trying to mind the kids and make sure they went to school and the times they were off and all the rest of it. So you've had you've had you've had an extreme of experiences of COVID. Um, huge isolation for a lot of people. And at the other extreme, you probably have parents and people who've been working from home and they're entering into the Christmas season and they're probably on their knees with tiredness, just trying to keep everything going and ticking over. And so, you know, as we ponder on this morning's gospel, it is hard to pick up that joy. It is, but that's what we're called to do. That's what we have to do this morning is to listen to that message again from the angels that they have brought to us. That message that came 2000 years ago, but which still speaks to us to this present time and still has a message for us that is absolutely extreme. In the histories of spirituality and religious experiences down across the millennia of humanity, Christianity stands out from the particular message of the incarnation, which is that God became man to walk as one of us whilst you know, still being fully divine. And the angel's message is, I bring you news of great joy, a joy to be shared by the whole people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And here is a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The simplicity of it, the starkness of it, the suddenness of it, if you like, if we only have the time and the space to allow ourselves to be able to listen to it. You know, and it's also, I suppose, giving us the space to be able to listen and to ask for that union with God that we seek you know, for that to let the light of the world into our lives. But I suppose it's also a reminder to us that, you know, Christ entered into our world with the flawed and the inflicted and the insulted, the cunning, the weak-willed and the misunderstood. You know, he's an equal opportunity ministry for crooks and saints, not just for the saints. You know, Pope Francis often talks about the analogy of saying the church is the field hospital for the soul. Um, but when you get into the field hospital, you need to be able to identify the wounds. You need to be able to identify the wounds that you have to be treated, or the doctors have to be able to identify the wounds and be able to 
correctly diagnose what the issue is and not to dance around the issue and not be able to afraid to say to people, you know, this is what the problem is. But, you know, the message is there for us to listen to, you know, and the reminder to us that so much powerful stuff has been accomplished down to the millennia by those that were sometimes odd and outcasts and complex mixtures of sinners and saints and obscure people. And you know what? It's a pretty hopeful testament that even in the midst of all of this that we're going through at the moment, God is using us with our individual flaws and our gifts in all manner of peculiar and unexpected ways, you know? Um, And it's just, I suppose, to say to us, you know, the angels called the shepherds to go and to be witnesses to Bethlehem. We're called this Christmas morning to be witnesses to the world, our world. Somewhere in our daily lives, we are called to be those witnesses to the joy of the good news. Today, I we bring a message of great joy. A joy to be shared by the whole people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. Thanks, Shane, for those few thoughts on today's gospel. For myself, I'd like to quote um, the responsorial psalm for today's Mass. It's from Psalm 95. I think it's, it's beautiful. Today a Saviour has been born for us. He's Christ the Lord. O sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord all the earth. O sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim his help day by day. Tell among the nations his glory and his wonders among all the peoples. Let the heavens rejoice and the earth be glad. Let the sea and all within it thunder praise. Let the land and all it bears rejoice. And all the trees of the wood shout for joy at the presence of the Lord, for he comes, he comes to rule the earth. With justice he will rule the world, he will judge the peoples with his truth. Today a Saviour has been born for us, he's Christ the Lord. So thanks indeed, listeners, for joining myself and Shane on this Christmas morning. Uh, please join us again tomorrow, um, the Feast of the Holy Family, where we will again uh, include some reflections from some of our guests on our podcast. But until then, enjoy the rest of the day. And a final piece of music to finish the podcast today will be Joy to the World by Charlotte Church.